have the, again, I am Pastor Kath from Beacon Covenant Church, which is your sister church plant. So we're family. And I, I've struggled in this pandemic because I thrive with time with people. So when Pastor Evan asked if I'd be willing to worship, I was like, yes. Oh, wait, are we in person? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. So I'm a little excited to be here today, and I was even more excited when I found out that you were going through this series in Genesis, because I believe Genesis is such a rich and sound foundation for who we are as God's people. Amen? All of these stories are amazing. Even the one that I was asked to preach on today, which is Genesis 22, when God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Yeah, when I said yes and I was super excited, I did not know Pastor Evan was going to talk, ask me to preach on human sacrifice. Um, can I take that back? No? no? Okay. Well, I'm here. Uh, to be honest, this, again, is a rich story of, of faith and the journey that God has brought Abraham on and how we see his continuation of the promises and his faithfulness to his people and to build his people. But this is also a story where God commands for Abraham to sacrifice his son. I think before we dive in, we have to be honest that this is a difficult passage, that there's a lot of misunderstanding that can happen in this passage in a lot of ways that we can derive false things about God. And because of that, again, I had a little hesitation when Pastor Evan said, all right, today's scripture is going to be Genesis 22. But I will also be honest. If there is ever going to be a place that I dive in to difficult passages, I want it to be with God's people, and I want it to be on a Sunday morning. Because scripture is meant to be read together and to face those difficulties head on. Sound good? So will you all please pray with me? Almighty God, we know that you are good, that you are so worthy of our trust and our obedience, that there are things that happen in this world that we do not understand, but what we can be certain of is how good you are, that your desire for us is life and life to the fullest. So, Lord, would your Holy Spirit give us wisdom today as we look at this passage, as we look at this story of how you have been at work in Abraham's life, and, Lord, what that means for us today as we are members of his family and, therefore, recipients of the promises that you gave to him way back when. Lord, as we look at this scripture would it be you that we see? Would you give us a deeper understanding of your love and your faithfulness and the invitation you extend to us for a life of faith? Amen. So like I said, Genesis 22 is an incredible story of faith. The story of Abraham, we get introduced to him at the end of chapter 11, and then in, verse, in chapter 12, this is when God does something new. That we see the beginning of God's family as he 
calls to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and says, go to the place I will show you. And it is a bumpy road from chapter 12, but we see through that this evolution of Abraham and his trust and obedience in God. And I feel like this passage in Genesis 22 is the pinnacle of Abraham's story as we see his uninhibited faith. But like I said, before we can look at the faithfulness of Abraham and the goodness of God, his provision and his promise, I want us to also recognize some of the ways in which this passage can be dangerous or unhelpful if taken out of context. And I think for me, the biggest thing is understanding that this passage is framed in the context of God testing. Now, all testing is hard, amen? Anyone here ever taken a test? Come on. It's been a while, but for some of you that um, are either in school right now or have become homeschool teachers in the midst of pandemic, I think we all have a greater understanding of tests right now. Now, all tests are difficult, or sorry, all tests are hard, but not all hardships are tests. Hear the difference there. All tests are hard, but not all hardships are tests. And I think this is when this passage and understand that this is something that God initiates in Abraham's life in order to demonstrate the faith that has been built up until this point is a beautiful thing. But if we just misappropriate that idea of hardship means God's plan, that can give us a very dangerous understanding of God. You know, I I made a joke earlier that I love the song It is well with my soul, and I love that we sang that today, but there is the story of who wrote that was just turning in my head, and finally, as we were singing it, I realized the connection. Do you all know the song, It is well with my soul? We just sang it. Does anyone here know the story? It was written by a man named Horatio Spofford at the end of the 1800s. Now, this was a wealthy man with a wife and four children. And the great fires of Chicago destroyed his wealth. So he got on a ship and he went across the Atlantic in order to sort of rebuild and recuperate. Now he went first to prepare the way for his family. And then when his wife and daughters crossed the Atlantic, tragedy struck. The ship crashed and all four children were lost. Only his wife survived. So Horatio had to take a ship back across the Atlantic, grieving this immense weight. And as he crossed the place where that ship crashed and his dear children perished, he penned those words, that it is well with my soul, Understanding that while it was not God's will, it was not God's plan, that God created him and his family for life in abundance, that their death was not in the will of God, God was still with him in that hard place. 
And God did not abandon him in his sorrow and suffering. And this is true, that we worship a God who redeems. We worship a God who will take all circumstances and work them out for the good of those who love him. But let us not just then transfer that, that somehow God wants us to suffer. In faith, we will suffer because we live in a broken world that when sin entered in, that plan of life and abundance and relationship with him was interrupted. And God cares so much about restoring that brokenness that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and obliterate death so that nothing can stand in the way of us and life. Can I get at least an amen for that one? So do you see the difference there? That hardship is a reality of our broken world. And what we know of our good God is he will be with us in those places and he will redeem all circumstances. But that's not necessarily his plan for us. Because his plan is what he is working tirelessly for and inviting the church to be about. And that's the ministry of reconciliation. And this circumstance with Abraham is something different. Now I asked earlier, have all of you taken a test before? And I think everyone said yes, right? I'm not sure if the littlest among us has ever taken a test, but that's okay. Don't worry. If I can guarantee one thing about the schooling system is you will take a test one day. Yay, fun. Now the thing about tests that I think we forget is tests aren't meant to teach us something new. Think about that for a moment. When you sit down to take an exam, it's not meant to teach you something new. It's not meant to produce. It's meant to reveal. It's meant to confirm what is already known. And in the same way, that's what's happening here. This test of Abraham is not to produce something new, but to reveal what God already knows and wants to affirm in Abraham's life that there is faith there that goes above all circumstances. And when we think about that, I want us to, to press into that as we look at the story of Abraham. Like I said, God has been present since chapter 12 in Genesis, and he has been good throughout the invitations of faith that he has presented to Abraham throughout his story. But Abraham has also stumbled along the way. But God never gave up on him. And what we see throughout Abraham's story is that this continuous relationship has been an invitation to go deeper in his faith and his love for God. And that what started in chapter 12 and the promise that God gave Abraham that he would bless him, make his name great, and make him a blessing to the world, that he would be his God and his family would be his people, what started there has now continued until we get to Genesis 22. 
So what I want us to keep in mind with this idea of a test doesn't produce something new, but reveals what is already there, I want us to ask ourselves, how does Abraham respond to God? And what does it reveal about his faith? What does this story demonstrate about God? Now, I know if you're here in person, all of the the Bibles in the pew have been taken away for cleanliness purposes. So if you want to turn to Genesis 22 in your own Bible, maybe that's something for the future. You might need to bring your Bibles to church again. Or, of course, if you have a phone, you can find uh, Genesis 22. Or if you're at home, please turn to Genesis 22. From the very beginning, we see that this is a different kind of story. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am. Again, there is something unique about this that we as the readers and hearers of this word have privileged information that frame our understanding, and that's that the narrator explicitly tells us Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Again, there are hardships we see in the Bible. This is different. We know God is doing something. And that's the other aspect about that story that we see that something is different here. There's a supernatural quality that God is initiating that situation. And what I love is to see Abraham's automatic, immediate response It's a readiness to be there as he says, here I am. So verse 2, then God said, this is where it gets real people, take your son, your only son, to whom you love, Isaac. Now go to the region of Morah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. You know, human sacrifice wasn't a foreign concept to Abraham. It was actually common worship practice to the Canaanite gods. And up until this point, Yahweh has always been different. I can only imagine what's going through Abraham's mind. Is what he knows about his God different? Is God really going to ask him to sacrifice his son? His journey of faith has led him to this moment. You know, there's another interesting aspect of this story that the hearers of this word word would have automatically recognized, and that's that this verse right here echoes that very first call that God gave to Abraham in chapter chapter 12. Do you remember what I said? God said to Abraham, go to the place I will show you. That there is this element, in order to see God's goodness, his provision, Abraham and his wife Sarah had to step out, and then it would be revealed. In the same way, he says, sacrifice him on the mountain as a burnt offering. On the mountain, I will show you. To trust and see what this story entails, Abraham is going to have to step out. And so how does he respond? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. 
he took with him two servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Was there any hesitation? I love this. His, what we see in Abraham is this all-encompassing trust and obedience. Trust in God even when he does not understand. And obedience even when he doesn't feel like it. So I, I think in order to, to really get this moment, we need to understand the significance of what was just asked of Abraham. Isaac encompasses the promise that God had given all those chapters ago. That in chapter 12 and chapter 15 and chapter 18 and chapter 21, God promises a future generation. He promises descendants and blessing and land. But all of that starts with a child. So what happens to the promise if God is truly asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? But there's another thing at stake here. Because you see, Abraham's response demonstrates the depth of relationship. And without Abraham's response of trust and obedience and faith. It's his relationship with God that's at stake. And what does it matter of a promise if there's no future with God? Think about that. Do you know, I think the other thing that always hits me when I read this story is that it's not just Abraham that's being tested, again, not to produce something new, but to reveal the faith that's already there and this evolution and change within, within him throughout his story. But I also think about Isaac and what it would be like to see my father respond with such uninhibited trust. And how that would impact my life. This has been a step in Abraham's story to lean into faith. And I think in verses 4 and 5, we start to see that even though he does not understand the fullness of what is being asked to him, he has a trust in God and his promises and his goodness that will bring about an outcome that produces those promises. So look at verses 4 and 5, and we see what is happening in Abraham and in Isaac in this moment. On the third day, God looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, stay here, with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back. Again, think about that for a moment. He knows what God has asked him. The servants don't. I don't think Isaac at this point fully understands what's about to happen. But Abraham makes a declaration. We're going to go and worship, and then the, we, the two of us, will return. 
And now at verses 6 and 7, I think this is where the drama gets interesting. And this is where I start to put myself in Isaac's shoes. And I do not know about you. I'm not sure I would be so trusting of my father in this moment. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went out together. And then Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the offering? Now at this point, Isaac is probably around, scholars debate, but I would say he's about 15 years old. And again, I think that number is significant because way back in Genesis 12, um, um, Abraham was 75. And by the time we get to the birth of Isaac, he's 100. And now this is 15 years later, meaning it has been 40 years building up to this moment. And 40 years is a significant amount of time in the Bible. It shows the fullness and and the fullness of a whole generation a fullness of a life. So he has been waiting for the fulfillment of this promise for 40 years, and now God is asking him to sacrifice that promise and trust him. And Isaac is watching. Abraham answered, God himself will prepare or provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You know, in chapter 4 of Romans, is one of my favorite verses. Uh, Romans tells us about faith in this moment and what faith looks like. And it refers to Abraham and actually how he and Sarah responded in faith at this promise of a son, even though they were 99 and 89. Anyone here 90? Anyone there 90? Um, What would you do if you were expecting a child at 90 years old? Just think about that for a moment. How would you respond? Because actually, in the absurdity of this, I love what Romans tells us about Abraham and his faith. He said, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded... That God had the power to do what he promised. And you know, another, another book of the Bible that tells us about faith is Hebrews. And in chapter 11, God, describes, uh, God uses this book to describe what faith is, saying that it is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And actually, the writer of Hebrews refers to this moment in Abraham's story, to demonstrate the fullness and power of faith when he says, he who embraced that promise. So this is the promise, again, the being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Abraham embraced the promise and was about to sacrifice his son. For those of us listening, it's hard to keep in balance those two things. How can I have confidence in the promise and yet in some ways 
be asked to give up that promise and trust. I would say, verses 9 and 10, this is where the drama builds. And the question, will God truly require this of Abraham? When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Anyone in this room ever been 15 years old? I think most people in this room have been 15 years old. How would you respond in that moment? Then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Anyone see that one coming? And Abraham's faithful response. Here I am. I think verse 12 could be confusing, but let's read it and then unpack it a little bit. The angel of the Lord continues, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Again, I think we need to step back and understand testing here. Not as something that produces something new, but reveals what is already known. I think looking at this verse, it says, now, when God says, now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld him, your only son, I will now provide something. I think it's good for us to understand that this isn't God somehow changing. He's not the one who's evolved here. He has been consistent. He has been good. His promises have been before Abraham, again, since chapter 12, since chapter 15, since chapter 18, since chapter 21. God has continuously been inviting Abraham into faith. The one who's evolved here has been Abraham. So verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Here, in this moment, we see Abraham's uninhibited faith, and we also see God's tremendous blessing and provision. You know, there's one other time in the Bible where Mount, the, that Mora and the Mount near Mora is described, and it's when Solomon decides where to build the temple in Jerusalem. And think about that for a moment. This place where Abraham's story intersected with God in such a way that confirmed all of the faith that had been building to this point. Where he saw without a doubt God's provision when he trusted him with everything. 
is the place that even today the temple, which is the dwelling place of God, exists in Jerusalem. That I feel like in this moment we see that there is a connection between worship and faithfulness and God being present. And I don't want us to underestimate that. You see, God is always going to provide, but the hitch that we see here with Abraham is that in order to see God's provision, Abraham had to trust him with everything. And therefore, this story is now continued. You see, Isaac is the linchpin between that promise that was first given to Abraham in 12, and now Isaac and Rebekah, and their son Jacob and his children that become the nation of Israel. That this is the moment where God builds his family. And guess what? You and I are a part of that family. That this is the moment that we see when you trust God with everything, there is nothing that he will not withhold from you. And this is a promise that is good and certain and solid and consistent. And it's the same promise that's given to you and me. It's a promise that is extended to the future, and it's the promise that's extended to us. And we see that in verses 15 through 18. This, again, it's the fourth or fifth time that God is affirming this promise. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. The descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will bless you and make you a blessing. This is the promise that has consistently been before Abraham. And now, 40 years later, he is understanding the fullness of that. That God had never changed, had always been faithful and consistent. The question was, how was Abraham going to respond? And I believe that that same question is before all of us. Like Abraham, we have our own journey of faith. And every step of the way, God invites us to a deeper understanding of him and an opportunity to experience his promises. And like Abraham, our journey could be messy. We can stumble. We can make mistakes. We can go left instead of right. But that does not change the consistency of God or his love and presence in our life. So here's my question. Like Abraham, will you learn from your past? Will you see the steady and consistent and dependable love of God? Will you lean into him and respond, like Tiffany said, with trust and obedience? Will you respond to the invitation of faith? 
That's why this story is so powerful. Because it might take a lifetime, but that invitation is still good. And God is still waiting for our response. So I'd like to invite the band back up while we pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for the ways in which you can teach us through your servant Abraham. Who when given an opportunity, an invitation to faith, he responded with trust and obedience and was never the same. And we are never the same, for we are recipients of that same promise. So Lord, would you help us to understand the ways in which you continuously invite us into a deeper relationship with you. How you don't hold back anything, even your son, in order to break down any barrier that could keep us from experiencing life and abundance and the promises before us. But it still takes our response. It still takes our participation in order to see your goodness. So Lord, would you be at work in us this day? Amen.